0: It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. It was exciting for me to learn that Dina Newbert, also known as the Quilt Concierge, has been listening to A Quilter's Life podcast she is not only a quilter, but also a quilt judge and lecturer. Dina's aim is to help preserve the art of quilting by acknowledging excellent craftsmanship through quilt judging programs and workshops, offering guidance that will lead participants feeling rewarded by the experience or by the prize. Dina, I am so excited to get to visit with you today. Thank you so much for being a faithful listener to my podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Paula, for having me on your podcast. I'm
0: very excited to get to know each other. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Tell me about where you were born and raised. Sure. Shortly after my parents were married, my father was drafted.
1: So my mom flew out to Oklahoma where I was born on an army base. Then when I was about two weeks old, my parents brought me back to New Jersey and my mother and I lived with my grandparents while my father served in Korea during peacetime. I lived in New Jersey until I married and then moved to Virginia for about 10 years, then moved back to New Jersey and we raised our two daughters in Central Jersey.
0: I was just thinking as you were chatting here, I don't think I hear the New Jersey accent or what I would think of a New Jersey accent.
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. When I lived in Virginia, they said that, that I had a New Jersey accent. But when I came back to New Jersey, nobody said anything about having a Virginia accent,
0: except that once in a while, I would say y'all. Okay, so you picked that up. (laughs) Tell me about a special childhood memory. Well, that was a tough one, and
1: I even spoke with my sister about it. And it's not that I had a terrible childhood. It's just that I'm getting a little older now, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, to pick out one is difficult. But it seems like childhood was so much simpler back then. Our parents didn't need to know where we were every minute of the day. We were just, you know, told to go out and play until the streetlights came on. But one really fun and special memory for me is when my mom used to fill up the station wagon with me, my sister, and our friends, and she would drop us off at the boardwalk. Now, that was when station wagons were really big, so you had a front seat, a back seat, And then what we called the backpack, we could fit as many as 10 kids in that car. She'd pick us up hours later. The main rule was that if you weren't where you were supposed to be, when it was time to get picked up, you just didn't go next time. But it just seems like things were more relaxed and kids could be kids more.
0: Yeah. As you were describing the station wagon. I don't think the younger generation can picture that front seat was a full seat. Yes. And the funny part was that
1: when we got a little bit older, we felt very uneasy sitting in the front seat with a boyfriend because my mom was driving and then we were in
0: the middle and the boyfriend was on the other side and it made us feel kind of funny. That would be. (laughs) Did you have employment other than quilting? Yes. I currently work a full-time job,
1: but I plan to be able to enjoy quilting full-time in a few years. Right now, I'm working on becoming a certified quilt judge. I'm doing lecturing, I'm doing judging. So, I do feel like this timeline is really doable for me, but I enjoy speaking with other quilters. And In my lifetime, the creative side of me has had to take somewhat of a backseat because I was raising my family. But now that my family has grown, my creative side can be enriched and shared
0: with others. So that's what I'm doing. That's something really to look forward to. Could you tell me a little bit about the job you have right now? Sure. I had started working out in
1: Atlantic City for the casinos. I worked at the casinos for 20 years and then decided that I wanted to make a change. So I'm now an executive administrative assistant for the vice president of a durable medical equipment company. And I enjoy the company I work for and
0: the work that I do. Nice. You said you came back to New Jersey Are you in the same town or a different part of New Jersey?
1: I'm in the same area. I was raised near the Jersey Shore, then went to Virginia, then came back, mainly because of the job market, because the job market at that time in Virginia was very tight. There were better options in New Jersey. When I first came back, we were in South Jersey and then ended up moving more to central Jersey. And the funny thing is that right now I work in the same town where I was raised completely different town, but never did I
0: ever think I was coming back to this area. It's interesting how that works, isn't it? It is. Dina, is there anything else about your family you would like to share? Sure. I have two beautiful daughters and three gorgeous
1: granddaughters. So with us, it's all about the girls. And even though my daughters aren't interested in quilting, my nine-year-old granddaughter has shown some interest. She's made a few quilts with me. And last weekend, she even attended a guild workshop with Ellie Levy, from Philadelphia with me, and she had a great time weaving a quilt. But I have to admit that my family, they all love it when I make quilts. They just aren't interested in making them themselves.
0: It's fun to watch who it draws in and who it doesn't, isn't it? Yes, and the funny thing is that for the workshop,
1: I asked my granddaughter, what colors do you want to use? And she told me, but then before the workshop began, she had already changed the color palette.
0: <laughs> Besides quilting, are there other crafts you do or have done?
1: Well, I like to try different things, but what I have really enjoyed doing, I've done some furniture refinishing, some jewelry making, some crocheting, sewing, scrapbooking, and I did try knitting one time. But That really didn't work out too well for me because my stitches
0: are always too tight and I can't figure out how to loosen them up. Hmm. I've never done knitting, so I don't know how that would work.
1: Well, if your stitches are too tight or too loose, it doesn't look as good. But I was doing charity knitting. We were knitting skull caps and scarves for merchant marines so the woman who was teaching us how to do it said don't worry about it too much the important thing is that it keeps them warm they're not really going to care what it looks like
0: that's neat how about other hobbies
1: i love to read i'm a member of a book club and i'm also in our local environmental commission
0: what does that entail
1: well, we meet together as a group and we investigate any type of development that has the potential of any type of environmental impact to our area. Because I live in the Pine Barrens, so that's very important to preserve that. Then we make our recommendations to the necessary boards on if we feel that variances Should be allowed or should not be allowed, or changes should be
0: made. And that's all volunteer. It is. Wow. Do you think your hobbies show up in your quilting?
1: Well, lately, my environmental commission work has been showing up in my quilting. And we'll talk about that just a little bit later. And I also really enjoy listening to podcasts.
0: And as I've shared with you, You're one of them that I've been listening to for quite a while. Oh, great. I'm curious, do you listen while you're out walking or do you listen while you're quilting? It's usually when I'm driving back and forth to work
1: or driving anywhere, really, I'll listen to it if I'm in the car by myself. And yes, I do also listen to them when I'm in my room quilting. Great. The only problem with listening to them in the car is I hear something from someone says that I think is a great idea, and I can't write it down. (laughs) I have to remember to go back and write it later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, please don't be in an accident. (laughs) So who introduced you to quilting?
1: Well, there was a woman in our church, and her name was Ruth Anselm. And she's since passed, but she started a church quilting group. Our church met every Wednesday night for family night. And then back then, every family would take turns. They would provide a meal, and then we'd break off into groups, into classes. And the classes were quite varied, and they ended when they ended, and a new one started when anyone was willing to teach something. And some of the classes were like art, book club, jewelry making, ballroom dancing, walking, bell ringing. And then Ruthie decided that she wanted to teach someone quilting. And it was a small group. It was just a total of four of us. But we had a lot of fun. Her lessons to us gave us an understanding and a love for all different kinds of quilts.
0: What a cool idea to be able to break off into groups and learn those things after a fellowship meal. That's great.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And even those in the family who weren't interested in participating in a class, which honestly was usually the husbands, they stayed back and they cleaned the kitchen and did other little things around the
0: church while the rest of us took a class. Oh, neat. Wow. Do you have a favorite quilt, whether it's one you made or someone else made? Well, I really can't say that I
1: have a favorite, but in studying to become a certified quilt judge, the more that I learn about quilts, the more I appreciate all different types of quilts, even though I didn't think I really cared for them to begin with. And sometimes once you hear the story of a quilt, like why the maker made that quilt or why the maker used that fabric. The quilt takes on a new beauty all of its own. But if I had to pick a personal favorite, say, in a viewer's choice situation, I like anything that sparkles or that when I look at it, it's fun
0: and it makes me smile. You're making me want to jump ahead and start asking you about quilt judging, but I will hold off. Thanks. (laughs) Let's go on to how about a favorite tool? I can't really name a favorite tool, but if you can
1: count a sewing machine as a tool, it would be my featherweight. I love piecing on my featherweight because the machine is so easy to use. I am very fortunate to have been gifted two featherweights from my generous boss. I have a tan one and I have a celery one and I love that I'm able to work on them myself and be able to correct small mechanical issues because I am not mechanically inclined.
0: It's always so surprising all the details we have in the quilting process. Do you like each step or do you have a part you like to do or look forward to more than other parts?
1: Well, I do enjoy doing all of it, but my favorite parts are when I pick it out and I'm first reading all the instructions before I get started. And then also when I see the quilt start to come together on the design board. I love playing with the placement of the pieces and deciding where to put each block. It's just like putting a puzzle together.
0: How big is your design board? It's not very big. It's
1: actually the closet door on my closet.
0: It is so fun to see it start coming together though, isn't it?
1: Oh, it is. And especially when you put it together and then you back up and you're like, Ooh, I don't like that. And then you decide to start switching them around.
0: Have you ever had to walk out of the room for a half hour or so and then come back?
1: Yes, most definitely. Especially, I think, because whereas my room might be straight to begin with, and then I just do my thing. I don't care that I throw scraps on the floor. Of course, I clean them up later. But sometimes I just like, oh, this is too much. I just have to get out of this room and come back a little bit later and look again.
0: Yeah. Share your worst quilting experience. I guess this is a fun question for you.
1: <laughs> but I was like, oh, no. So I guess that my worst quilting experience was trying to do a Zoom workshop during the pandemic. And like a lot of guilds, ours had gone to Zoom in hopes of keeping our guilds alive. And this was the first Zoom workshop I had taken. And the teacher was a great teacher. The teacher was very accomplished. But it was in the early days of Zoom. I realized that I do much better with in-person workshops. I like to see what the instructor is doing face-to-face. And I also enjoy when I have my so sisters there, S-E-W, and they can show me when I'm doing something wrong. So in this particular workshop, so many of the steps that she was doing didn't look anything like what I was doing. So I became very frustrated with the entire process. When the workshop was over, I was nowhere near where I should have been. And I was really, really upset with myself. So I sat at my sewing machine and tried to figure out why it was so difficult. Well, I realized that I had been reading the marking on the special ruler that we had to purchase wrong. And that somewhere during the workshop, I had started using the right markings. So, of course, then my points weren't matching up properly. After the Zoom workshop was over, I worked on the project for like another two hours, but I did complete the top. And I'm happy that I figured out what I was doing wrong. The top does not look terrible, but it is still in my UFO pile. I'm sure I'll finish it one day.
0: So, when you take a look at that, to even think about starting up on it again, does it still? irk you or are you getting to where, well, maybe I can touch it again?
1: You know how it is when you go to workshops or you start projects that you don't finish and you have a UFO pile. So I have no problem picking it up again and doing it. And I don't think irk is the correct word. It was more of my frustration because I felt like, why am I not getting this? Everybody else is getting it. But like I said, it was in the early days of Zoom. And things were just different back then because like sometimes she would flip the screen and sometimes she would forget to flip the screen. So that's why when I was looking at what she was doing, it was backwards to me. And she would say, well, look, it should look like this. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, but it doesn't look like that because when I take workshops and stuff, I'm learning something for the first time. I'm very literal. So the fact that it wasn't looking the same and things weren't matching up the way she said they would, that was my frustration. But I was happy that I ended up finishing it. You know, the top, I didn't give up.
0: The rest of it will come. Yeah. What do you think draws you to continue quilting rather than spending your time doing something else? Well, I've always enjoyed sewing.
1: When my daughters were really young, I made quite a bit of their clothes. We had a textile factory near my home in Virginia, and they made clothing for some of the larger department stores like Macy's. So they sold the leftover fabric at like 50 cents a yard. I would go down there and would get like a couple of yards of the fabric, and I would make my girls outfits. And then they would get excited and say, come on, Sissy, let's put on our twin outfits. And they would look so cute. And I think that that led to a natural progression of moving
0: from apparel and household sewing into quilt making. And who are you making your quilts for? I make
1: them for almost anyone who asks. But because I have other things on my plate, the recipients don't always get them quickly. I let them know up front that it may take a little while because I work full-time. I'm building my business. I serve as the environmental commissioner. I'm the programs director for my guild. I belong to a book club and I'm studying to become a certified quilt judge. So I do enjoy making it. I wish I had more time to sew than I do,
0: but it's okay because that's my life and I quilt when I can. Yeah. It doesn't work when you get frustrated if you're pushing to get it through. So that's great that you work on it when you can. Do you have a special project going on right now?
1: I guess I have a few special projects. I need to finish a bed quilt, which is going to have a fleece backing, so it's going to be really warm for the winter. And then I have three commissioned t-shirt quilts I need to finish. I also have quilts that I want to make for my daughters, my granddaughters, and myself. And a number of UFOs. But what I do is I have a sketchbook where I put ideas for quilts when the inspiration hits. This way, I don't forget.
0: Did you come up with that after you realized you were forgetting them? Or have you done that for a long time?
1: Well. When Ruthie started the guild and we started going to different quilt shows, we would, of course, be able to buy older quilt books like the quilt magazines. And a lot of times they would sell them like in a whole series. And so, of course, we would gobble them up. And then it started to get kind of crowded. So then I would just pull out the quilts I was interested in or make copies and keep them in a binder. But now I don't really subscribe to them because there's so much information on the internet. But sometimes if I go somewhere special and see some beautiful architecture, or you might think this is silly, but sometimes the pattern in a paper towel, I'll look at it and I'm like, ooh, that would be pretty in a quilt. So that's what I put into
0: my sketchbook. I don't think that's silly at all. That's great. Share a quilting tip.
1: I feel that it's really important not to be afraid to step out and to try something new. A lot of people will say, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, that doesn't interest me. But even if you try something and you decide that you don't like it, gaining that information is a win. And in the guild, I belong to they had a workshop that taught paper piecing and needle turn applique. Now, I did really well with the paper piecing, and I enjoyed it. But I just could not get a hang of the needle turn. My needle turn stitches were really sloppy. My curves were not curvy. They were square. But I was really glad for the experience. And I feel that if you don't try everything that's offered, you might miss out on something you'll really
0: enjoy. That's a great tip. And I love the way you put that, that if you don't try it, you might miss out on something you really enjoy. That's neat. Now, can you describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to having it as a business?
1: Well, for many years, I knew that I wanted to have a quilting related business but I just really couldn't find my niche. I was raising my family. I needed the steady income and the health coverage from a full-time job. And I really didn't have the financing or the time to start a retail venture. I toyed with making items and selling at craft shows, but again, I found out that I didn't have the time I needed to make the volume of items required for that. So, a friend commissioned me to make some T-shirt quilts for her, but since she was a good friend and a co-worker, I was unsure of what to charge her. So I left the price up to her. She was very generous. She loved what I made. And so I started making quilts for other people here and there whenever I could find the time. Sometimes I charge them, sometimes I didn't. I also made a few custom baby quilts for my youngest daughter to give to a friend. And then when that same daughter had a gender reveal party, I made her a simple double-sided nine patch quilt. that was pink on one side and blue on the other. And that's how we found out that we were having our third granddaughter. Then my guild hosted a two-day workshop on becoming an NACQJ certified quilt judge. The two days were very intense and very informative. After some additional training, I thought that judging was what I wanted to do. So I shadowed the certified quilt judge, and I stood behind her as she evaluated the different quilts, and I got very excited when I was thinking in my own mind comments I would make on the quilt, and she said some of the same comments. And that's when I knew that I wanted to become a quilt judge. So shortly after shadowing that judge, I went to a quilt show in South Jersey with some friends, and it was a viewer's choice show. So after the show, I reached out to the organizer. I told her what my goal was to become a certified judge and asked if she would be interested in having me judge a special category to help me with my training. So she said yes, and she decided on Trapunto. She also wanted me to give a lecture on Trapunto and what a quilt judge looks for when evaluating a quilt. But sadly, that was the year that COVID hit, so that show, along with the seven other shows I had on my schedule, were canceled. Then, surprisingly, about two weeks before the date the show was to be held, they changed their mind and decided that they could have the quilt show after all, but they would do it virtually. So she contacted me and said, Are you interested? I said, Absolutely. Not having any idea how I was going to come up with a business main and a Facebook page because my lectures were going to be on Facebook Live. But with the help of a dear friend, we got it together and it was great. I completed my lectures. I judged the Trapunto category and I selected best in show. The organizer once again contacted me to judge the same show earlier this year. So I gave a lecture on no waste quilting and I awarded first place winners in three different categories.
0: I really enjoyed judging and lecturing as much as quilting. Wow. You really had to pivot with what you wanted to do there and come up with that quickly. That is so wonderful.
1: It's wonderful to have encouraging friends who say, do it, go for it. I'll help you. We'll get it done.
0: I love it. That's great to have friends like that. That is so cool. Now, Trapunto was a new term for me. Can you describe what type of quilting that is?
1: Sure is an old method of quilting that produces a raised area or makes a poofy area in your quilt. So typically, you would layer two fabrics together. You would outline the area to be raised. You would slit the underside of the fabric, insert additional batting, and then sew up the slit. But in modern quilting, instead of slitting the fabric, One way you can incorporate trampunto is to build up the area intentionally by adding batting and using water soluble thread just to hold the extra batting in place. You then add your layer of batting and quilts as normal, and pay special attention to the design that you want raised.
0: Trampunto can add beautiful dimension to your quilt, and I love a poofy quilt. I'm trying to picture what that would look like. I'm going to have to look at that closer again. Let's jump back here a minute. Tell me the name of your business and how you came up with that name.
1: Well, my business is Quilt Concierge. And just like a concierge in a hotel, I want to provide quilters with information to enhance their experience. I want to share helpful information with all levels of quilters, to allow them to enjoy and hone their craft. I want my lectures to inspire and inform, and I want to encourage quilters to enter their quilts into judged shows. I didn't want any quilter to be afraid of the quilt police because a quilt judge's number one priority is to acknowledge excellent workmanship. I'm really happy to share that after one of my lectures, on what a quilt judge looks for in an award-winning quilt, but one of the quilters came up to me and she told me, I entered a quilt into a show once and I had a really unpleasant experience with the judge. She just ripped my quilt to shreds. So I spoke with her a while about it and I apologized and explained how a quilt judge should have judged her quilt. I also offered to put her in touch with a certified quilt judge to discuss it further. After our chat, she felt comfortable enough to enter again. And she won ribbons for the two items that she entered into the show. We were both really happy for her success. And it's so
0: rewarding to know when things like that happen. I'm hoping that that information will help others try again if they also had a bad experience.
1: I hope so, too, because it can be fun. As everyone knows, it's fun to win. The truth is that most of the time, the judges' comments aren't something that you don't already know. I mean, none of our quilts are perfect. We know what we need to work on. We know what would enhance the quilt. But it is lots of fun to compete against others in your guild or in the group
0: and win a ribbon. Yeah. Now, did I understand that you're still working on becoming a quilt judge or did you pass that already? No, I'm still working on it. So there's different types of quilt judges.
1: Basically, there's quilt judges who are certified and quilt judges who are not certified. And it really just depends upon what the quilters and what the Guild is comfortable with. I chose to become a certified judge through the National Association of Certified Quilt Judges, otherwise known as the NACQJ, because they commit to a lifelong learning and they have ethics when they're judging. Certified judges are fair, they're unbiased, and they're very well-versed in both workmanship techniques and design theory. They make their decisions and their comments based on established principles and standards. And if anyone is interested, they should visit the NACQJ website for more information. You have to apply to become a certified quilt judge, and once you're accepted in the program, you have about five years to complete the certification. The program does not teach someone how to become a judge, but it certifies someone who already has judging experience.
0: That's interesting that they already have the experience. You have to have some experience before you apply.
1: And then, of course, as you go through the certification process, you have to continue judging.
0: How neat. I'm wondering, from something you said, it piqued my interest of learning to judge. At the beginning, you had to learn to appreciate other types of quilts. And I'm sure that knowledge has allowed you to learn about a lot of different quilts.
1: Yes. Well, the woman who taught me how to quilt was a traditionalist. She like traditional quilt blocks. That's basically what she made. For instance, if she saw a pattern she liked, she most likely used those same colors in her quilt, which is fine. It's what most of us do. But learning more about the different quilts, about how they're constructed, like for instance, more modern quilts or art quilts, a lot of times there's a story behind it that you don't even know. And in every quilt, a quilter puts part of herself or himself.
0: So that's what really makes each one special. And in some shows, are those stories written out, given with the quilt, or do you not know? Well, in a viewer's choice,
1: people are just voting on what they like. In a judged quilt show... The ones that I've been involved with, you know what category the quilt is in. So that kind of tells you what you should zero in on. For instance, if it's an applique quilt, you would look at that. If it's a more traditional quilt, you may concentrate more on the blocks. But you generally do not see a story card and you do not see a quilt maker's name until all of the judging is over because your judging needs to be unbiased. And I have judged quilts, and then later on, I saw them hung and went back and seen the story card. And while the quilt was not chosen for an award, the story melted my heart and made me appreciate it more.
0: Wow. Are you ever able to tell the quilter? that you appreciate it more with knowing the story? Well,
1: when you judge a quilt, you write comments. So again, those comments have to pretty much be unbiased. But sometimes after the judging, if you're invited to a luncheon, you know, a couple of days later, because what happens in the judging room stays in the judging room. And a lot of the times the quilters themselves don't know that they have gotten awards until they actually come to the show because that's when all the quilts are hung and they see the ribbons. So I have not been able to do that because if I'm judging the show, I'm not there for the show. Um. I can do the judging several days ahead because then that gives
0: them time to hang the quilts. Yeah. You mentioned that you have gotten to do some workshops. Can you tell me how it felt when someone first signed up for one of your workshops?
1: Oh, it's a real thrill for me when I lecture and people come and hear me speak. So my most recent lecture was on no waste quilting. It was geared towards sustainability and mindful quilting. It was held in a historical venue. So people paid to get in to see the quilt show. And I was honored when they chose to stay and to hear my lecture. And then afterwards, I got to chat with them. And it's just wonderful to chat with other people who can appreciate quilting and the environment.
0: I love the thought of no waste. That is wonderful. That would be great to hear. You have a newsletter, Mindful Quilter. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Earlier this year, I was appointed to my local environmental commission. And I found the work to be very interesting and very rewarding. North America alone has between 9 and 11 million quilters. And that number has not changed in the past decade. We all have leftovers. We have scraps. We have waste. Quilts, by definition, are sustainable. So think about it. There's quilts that have been handed down from generation to generation. But sadly, the EPA reports that Americans generate 16 million tons of textile waste per year. And we are unable to recycle garments or textiles the same way that we recycle paper or aluminum. For this reason, fabric and clothes usually end up in our waste streams, mainly our landfills. So quilting, to me, is the ultimate way to repurpose textiles. You can have endless inspiration in your quilt by using old clothes or scraps that have lost their previous purpose. I'm not asking anyone to completely change all of their quilting habits but there are little things we can do to make a difference. My newsletter comes out every two months and discusses how you can reduce your quilting waste footprint. It's free via email, and I'm happy to send a copy to anyone who requests it.
0: Gina, is there anything else you would like to share about Quilt Concierge?
1: Well, I'd like to share just about quilting in general. Quilters are creative people, but many of us, like me, allowed their need to express their creativity to take a backseat to life. Remember, self-care is especially important for creative people. Find ways to feed your soul, and if you find that life is getting in the way, then intentionally integrate quilting into your daily life. Have your little ones sit on the floor and play with your fat quarters while you're sewing. Share your love of quilting with your grandchildren. Sit at the dining room table or in the living room with quilting in your lap so that you're still spending time with your family. You'll find that your family will start asking you if you quilted today. And when you make quilting a priority in your life, you somehow will find a way to fit it in on a regular
0: basis and you will be more fulfilled. Thank you so much for that. That's a great reminder that we all need. Dina, tell us where we can find your business. Absolutely. And I want to apologize for
1: my voice being a little froggy this morning because it's peak leaf season, and even though I don't have allergies per se, of course, you know, today my voice has been kind of froggy, but I am based in New Jersey at the Jersey Shore, but I'm available for in-person and Zoom opportunities anywhere in the U.S. whenever it's feasible. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and I also have a website. They all have the same name, Quilt Concierge. So that's Q U I L T C O N C I E R G E, quilt concierge. And Paula, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I've enjoyed spending this time with you and I look forward to listening to future podcasts.
0: Great. It was great to have someone that has been listening and I just love getting to meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paula.